Hi guys, uh, this is, <laughs> I just scared my dog saying hi guys. <laughs> um, oh, it was very adorable. Y'all should have seen it. Um, anyways, uh, this is, uh, I was going to say the second update from the LA Film Fest, but the LA Film Fest is over, um, but this is a, a sort of a mini recap of the the remaining things that I saw since the last episode, and um, I wanted to post this. Uh, because um, even though the LFM Fest has been over uh, for days now, it's going to be even longer before we get to our official LA Film Fest wrap-up episode um, of the podcast, uh, in which we'll have Kyle Anderson as a guest to talk about stuff that he saw. So there'll be all kinds of new stuff. But I wanted to post this as a sort of, uh, I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a space filler in between. Um so, uh, and I'm going to keep it short because I got other podcasts to do. I'm busy man. Um, I want to talk about uh, one of the things I was very excited to see that I'm glad I got to see. There's always this feeling uh, LA Film Fest is great because, unlike AFI Fest, which I also love in its own way, um, AFI Fest has this whole tension of like, uh, even though even if you have a ticket, like there's no guarantee you're getting in because the tickets are free. I don't know if people know that. Uh, AFI Fest is free. But that mean, the trade-off is you don't know if you're going to get in. LA Film Fest, I always feel like there's something big, you know, uh, oh, this is, like, going to draw a lot of people. Uh, and I've never had a problem getting into a screening at LA Film Fest. Uh, for whatever that's worth, uh, it, it for a guy with a lot of anxiety issues, <laughs> it definitely is, is for the best. Um, so one of the ones uh, that was, at least to me, um, one of the big ticket items was Deborah Granick's uh, documentary debut. This is the director of Winner's Bone um, and uh, the one with Vera Farmiga uh, that I can't remember the name of. And this is her first uh, documentary, and it's uh, like Winner's Bone. It takes place in southwestern Missouri in the Ozark area, but it's about a much more... Uh, I guess wholesome figure. Um, he's a. I guess you might not seem it at first because he's a tattooed up, uh, uh, you know, uh, biker guy. Um, you know, I guess a lot of people have preconceptions about what that means. Uh, but uh, his name his name is Ronnie. His nickname is Stray Dog. The movie is called Stray Dog, and uh, it's it, it's it doesn't seem to have. Uh, really um a through line in terms of narrative it's just sort of about his life and about what's happening uh, about what what has happened to him and what is happening to him well, what has happened to him is he was a vietnam vet and that has left uh more than its share of scars on him uh and he instead of being uh, i guess earlier in his life he did you know turn that trauma into maybe uh uh, alcohol abuse or, or violence um but uh now he focuses it onto into these veterans causes he you know he bikes across the country and goes to dc for rallies and goes to visit the um uh the you know sort of the gold star parents the parents of people who have who have died in in iraq and afghanistan and it's a huge part of his life it's uh something he's very uh, passionate about, and the movie as a result is a real 
tearjerker in a way that is not uh, manipulative. It's never manipulative. It, ha- it has the same... Uh, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise that someone who made Winter's Bone would be able to make a good documentary because Winter's Bone is so so true to life and so un- unsensational. Uh, so Stray Dog is right in line with that. And uh, there's more to him. He's, you know, he's... Um, He's on his second marriage, and she is a, a Mexican woman who has her sons, sons of her own, who still live in Mexico. And he's one of his other, uh, I don't know if it's a cause, one of his other goals is to get to get them to uh, uh, legally be able, be able to move uh, to Missouri with him. It's a really fascinating portrait of a person that, for whatever reason, because you don't like tattoos or because you don't like people who hunt or people who are... Uh, rural or people who are I don't know conservative. Uh, there's a number of reasons you might have a preconceptions uh, and, and a predisposition to think negatively of Ronnie. But uh, Stray Dog will make you fun. He's one of the. He's maybe the most lovable character in any movie in 2014. Um, moving on to another documentary. I saw a lot of documentaries. It wasn't my plan going in to the festival, but it just a lot of them really called to me. Although this one, this is the one time... Something I did a lot last year at the LA Film Fest was uh, just sort of deciding, I have this much time, I'm just going to see whatever's next, you know? Um, and I this year I went in with much more of a plan of stuff I wanted to see, but the one, the one that I did, uh, just see whatever's next, is called The Life and Mind of Mark DeFriest. It's another documentary, and it's uh, unbelievable. It's so good. Um... It's the very sad story of uh, a person named Mark DeFriest who uh, was sent to prison in, I want to say 1979, sometime in the late 1970s, for four years on kind of a bullshit theft charge. He wasn't even released. He he took some stuff that had been his dad's after his dad had died and his stepmom accused him of theft. Um, And he was sentenced to four years. But because... Mark is mentally ill. His uh, psychiatrist later in the film, uh, a psychiatrist or, or psychologist that I've never known the difference, um, refers to him as being manic, paranoid, delusional. Uh, and because of that, he is a problem prisoner. And because of his multiple problems and because of the fact that he's, despite his mental illness, uh whip smart and unbelievably mechanically adept uh he keeps breaking out of prison he is uh you know from the very uh very beginning uh he was always trying to break out and he's had so many uh disciplinary events i guess that even though he was sentenced to four years in 1979 he is still in prison to this day uh, it's it's kind of unbelievable, and uh, I, I I compared it in my written uh, review, which you can find at the uh, one of my, one of the write ups uh, uh, at dot com. I compared it to a film from earlier this year, Kids for Cash, which um, took a specific, or in that case, a specific group of um, injustices having to do with the prison system, and then used it as a window into uh, criticizing the prison system as a whole. Uh, and if you know me personally, if you know like what 
my causes are, what are the things that I think about or champion. Uh, prison reform is something that uh, has been much, very much my mind for probably the last 10 years or so since I read uh, Jessica Midford's book. Um, uh, no, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, Cruel and Usual Punishment or something like that. Anyway, uh, um, Kind and Usual Punishment. I'm looking at it on the bookshelf there. Uh, and I mean the the whole idea behind what we what we seek to gain by sending people to prison like what really is the goal of that for them or for society or for both um, whatever goals we seem to have seem to be at odds with what actually happens uh, in prisons and to prisoners and that's and the, what the point of this uh movie wants to make is that that's only exacerbated when they are mentally ill and uh an enormous number of people in america's prisons are mentally ill or have shown mental illness in the past and it's something that it, it seems like this is about the prison but it could be about america in general not understanding or really taking into consideration mental illness and not a lot of us maybe not understanding that it's as serious as any other illness and as a result people like mark never got the treatment they need and they're being punished more and more for something that they frankly can't help uh but i mean it sounds like I know I'm describing it. It sounds like it's gonna be. It's a painfully infuriating to watch, and it is at times. But uh, Gabriel London, the director, also has a great deal of fun with it. It's a lively soundtrack. He uses uh, animated uh, sequences to um, uh, to illustrate the escape attempts and other other things from Mark's uh, 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 history as a prisoner. And he even uses some celebrities uh scoot mcnary does the voice of mark and all the uh the animated sequences and shay wiggum does a number of different different voices as well uh it's a it's a really uh well-made uh documentary that is as entertaining as it is galvanizing um the next one i i, I guess i would call this a documentary um i, I would think of it, it's more of an experimental video essay um it's called uh dreams are colder than death and it is an attempt to look at um the it's basically in about an hour it's trying to encapsulate the entire uh black experience in america right now um taking as its uh catalyst i guess the 50 year anniversary of the civil rights act um it, it it it's it says you know uh how far have we come and you know uh acknowledging uh the way that things have changed in terms of obviously uh not only that we have a black president but there are uh black people in every walk of walk of life now there uh there's much more of a presence but in many other ways things haven't changed or perhaps have gotten worse um and even when they have changed the uh 
the the scars are still there the you know there are the, the that's not 50 years isn't going to wipe away uh what's happened to black people in the history of america and dreams are cold and death is essentially a series of interviews although we never actually see the people talking we see the people we see close-ups of them, and we see lots of other imagery go across the screen. It's directed by uh, Arthur Jaffa, who is known as a cinematographer. Um, I think uh, Crooklyn is maybe one of the uh, bigger um, titles to his name as a, as a DP. But uh, it, it's uh, it was it was very very powerful stuff, um, and I I tend to respond to stuff made in that um, sort of daring. Uh, uh, form, I guess, non non narrative uh, form. If it's just if it's just about, if it, I guess you'd call it impressionistic. It's just trying to give you impressions, and sometimes that can be a lot more uh, more powerful and almost overwhelming than something that sits sits down and uh, uh, just spells it out for you. Which can also be powerful in a more intellectual sense. I think what Arthur Jeff is going here for here is more uh, of an emotional uh, uh, impact because he's trying to get across what it feels like um, to be black in America, which is a huge thing that is... um, I mean, white people need first to understand that it's different, um, which a lot of of us don't, uh, before we can understand uh, how it's different. And Arthur Jaffa, maybe, you know, I'm not sure how accessible he is in trying to do uh, both in about 53 minutes, but uh, it's a powerful film nonetheless, and I think it's making the festival circuit, so hopefully it'll be, it'll come to your town. Uh, The final thing that I want to talk about, and then I'm going to get a glass of water, uh, is a film that I expected to like. I did not expect it to be as astounding a, a work of cinema as it was, and that's David Wayne's They Came Together. I know this, there's a history of this movie. They, I mean, David Wayne and Michael Showalter wrote it, wrote it over ten years ago. They shot it three years ago. There's been different cuts that uh, have existed, and it's finally coming out in this 83-minute version. And it is, the, I mean, the, the, the sort of logline, I guess, would be that it's a spoof of romantic comedies and that's exactly what it is uh, it stars paul rudd and uh, amy poehler amy poehler plays a character who owns a candy shop in new york and paul rudd plays an executive at a corporate candy chain that's opening a giant candy store across the street from her little candy store uh and of course they meet and fall in love um and obviously there's all kinds of stuff like that um the uh uh, you know recognizable tropes that you see and poking fun of them and that's what usual these uh, a good spoof usually does uh you, you know is point out what sort of the character types and the uh plot crutches i guess that genres use over and over again um they came together is uh, for one thing it is unbelievably non-stop funny it, there are laughs throughout but it is also so specific in the way that it deconstructs not only the things that i'm talking about character and story but also structure and aesthetic uh it, it's here's 
I won't say what the joke is because A, I don't want to spoil it, and B, I couldn't do it justice anyway. But do you know the part in cheesy movies uh, where, as a shortcut, they just show, like, um, either, like, a car driving or two people walking away and then there's some ADR like added uh, as one of the characters is talking and it's just a way of, of throwing in some exposition and making it feel like it's part of the scene you're watching but it might as well just be uh, stock footage and voiceover which it mostly is there's a joke about that that is maybe my favorite joke or maybe it's more of a gag than a joke if we're getting specific but it's maybe my favorite gag uh, in the entire movie, uh, and, and that's what I'm getting at. Is it gets that specific, and sometimes it's not. I mean, it's often the jokes like that one. You have to, you know, that depends on you knowing the tropes and being able to recognize the way they're being subverted. And other times, it just comes right out. You know, there's a scene um, of. <laughs> Uh, Paul Rudd's character is playing basketball with his with his buddies, and they're literally saying that uh, they represent each one of them represents a different view of relationships, and it's up to Paul Rudd's character to uh, find the balance uh, and create his own point of view uh, and figure out how he feels about long term romantic relationships. Like they're literally saying that out loud. Uh and it's hilarious because of all the other stuff that's going on. But um I think uh I mean Tyler and I are always getting the chip on our shoulder about uh about comedies not getting their their due. But uh I really do think that if you appreciate cinema in the way that I do and you are st- and you study cinema the way that we do uh, and I assume you do because that's why you listen to our podcast and stuff. Uh, they came together is uh, an indispensable uh, film in in 2014. It must be uh, must be seen. It is it is adding to the conversation about cinema, and uh, it's also unbelievably funny. So that's the stuff I saw. Uh, we will talk at length about uh all this stuff i saw and stuff that kyle saw when we have kyle anderson on the show in a couple weeks to talk about the la film fest but just wanted to give you this this update this sort of mini wrap-up before the real wrap-up uh so thanks for listening and we'll get you next time bye